is uh, Noah Randolph, teaching pastor here at Wayfarers Christian Church. I'm sitting down yeah. with uh, Nick Griffin. Uh, today, uh, we're kind of switched roles, and I'll be kind of the host uh, for today's episode. And uh, so you'll get to hear a little bit more of my voice this time. And uh, yeah, yeah. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, I'm feeling more uh, comfortable with everything that we're doing hopefully we won't be as awkward this time as we were last week yeah yeah i mean i don't know just, we're figuring it out that's just the nature of this we're we're learning along with everybody else so just uh keep that in mind <laughs> right right but the idea is kind of with these uh weekly deep dives it'll just be a kind of moment for me and noah to sit down we'll talk about some things that maybe had to get t- cut for time on the sermon go a little bit deeper on a few ideas and um bring you guys along on the ride with us yeah and still feel free to send out any questions you have um we really love some feedback and we've been getting kind of some feedback on uh the first episode and keep that up guys it really does help us uh uh, improve the podcast Uh, i guess it's technically a live but yeah yeah i don't really know what to call this it's kind of like a live podcast yeah yeah yeah, i don't know i'm just calling it the deep dive yeah yeah deep dive in the in the a deep section of the swimming pool. <laughs> um, so we had like a section uh, planned out, right? Where you're going to ask me like a goofy question. Is that right? Yeah, I figured <laughs> we need to, you know, for any of you that are watching, it's just an opportunity for you to get to know us a little bit more. Um, it's, uh, I don't know, like when it, we can just do the real boring thing where it's just like, hey, what's your name? Where'd you grow up? What's your, you know, experience with, I don't know. I don't want to do the boring icebreaker questions. So I figured we could just do something, uh, just something funny. We could go through every week. Uh, sometimes I think you actually get to know people better that way if you do uh, some of those questions. So I've got a few here. I'm pulling up a few different ones. So did you come up with one, Noah? Yeah, I did. If you uh, are brave enough to go first and ask, be asked this uh, deeply Deep question. <laughs> All right. Go for it. Because um, i got to pull my questions up first. So, in as fast as you ably can, explain to me why they call a boxing ring a boxing ring, since it's a square and not a ring. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> I um, If I had to guess in the moment, I think I would... I don't know. Did it used to be a ring, like a wrestling ring, maybe back in the day? I don't know. You're like the senior pastor here, so like you've got <laughs> to have an know answer. every answer. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought you knew the answer to the question. You're just asking in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. I'm. I have I'm, no idea. Think of me as my, like, I, here's my guess. My guess is, uh, wrestling was a big thing in like ancient Greece and Rome. They had a wrestling ring. I'm pretty sure in wrestling it's usually like a little circle. Oh. Um, and so they just kind of brought over the same term from wrestling into boxing. That's possible. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. If anyone out there has any yeah. knowledge on this, feel free to shoot it. I, it just literally popped in my head and I, you know, had fun <laughs> asking of Nick. <laughs> yeah. And what I was going to say earlier too, is I'm, I'm going to try to have the the live stream pulled up here. So I should be able to see if you guys have questions along the way about anything we're talking about, just throw it in the chat and we'll be able to respond. That's one of the benefits of being able to do this live. Hmm. So I don't know if any of you know why it's called a boxing ring. Yeah. Throw it in there. <laughs> All right. What, what, what do you got for me, Nick? Um, I don't know. There's several of them here. Here, let's do this one. This one's a controversial one, Uh but you've probably heard this all the time. Yeah. Is a hot dog a sandwich or not? Oh, yes. I've heard this. So I am actually on the bandwagon that, yes, it, well, it's not a sandwich. It's a taco, actually. (laughs) That's the, that's the bandwagon. (laughs) You're going completely different. I'm going way more controversial. A hot dog is a taco. Think about it, right? Like a taco is literally just (laughs) cornmeal, which, is used to make other breads like biscuit and it's just you know curved like any normal hot dog bun would be like they literally if you were to put them side by side they look the same so and a taco always has some type of meat (laughs) on it 
and <laughs> I'm wondering dog. what's happening if somebody just tuned in right now. <laughs> it's a sermon deep dive, and you're just like a taco. <laughs> I mean, you asked, so yes. this, this no, is what it's you're just getting. funny. It just it just occurred to me that if someone just tunes in right now. So you you don't believe that a hot dog is sandwich is a sandwich. You believe no. a hot dog is it's a taco. A taco. Yes. Yes. All right. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can go into more detail why. No, I believe I'll take this. it. We'll, we'll, that, that's 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 a that's a new answer to that question that I have not heard before. Yeah. yeah. People feel really strongly about that one for some reason. Like I've seen like people like screaming matches at each other oh, trying yeah. to figure out uh, whether a hot dog is a sandwich or not. Is ketchup a smoothie? Gets a lot of. Uh, <laughs> It's a lot of uh, fandom as well, I think. <laughs> People are very heated about that. Yeah, yeah. It, it's terminology. It's semantics. Uh, you know, yeah, it's, that's why. <laughs> Another thing that people get really heated about sometimes is whether... Um, we will all fly away to heaven or not. Oh, that's the You like best that radio segue. transition right wow. there? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Going right for it. But it is true, people do get really heated about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, people have like strong feelings about it. I think especially because it has to do with church sometimes. Yeah. If you, um, if you contradict something that somebody was brought up believing in church, they, uh, they react real strongly. They're like, not, not, you know, there's a lot of emotions that go. It's like, no, you can't tell me that. I, I grew right. up in church. In church, they told me we're all going to go to heaven. We used to sing a song about it, right? I'll fly away. That's kind of what that whole, uh, that's Movement. what that song is all about. <laughs> um, and so that was kind of the topic that I brought up a little bit in the, in the, in the sermon on Sunday was trying to change that point of view a little bit. The thing I kept saying in the sermon is that I grew up believing that we were going to uh, end up in this sort of eternal church service in heaven. That's that's what heaven was about. That's what the goal of heaven was about. Mm-hmm. And um, that sounded super boring to me. I don't know. What was your experience? Do you remember feeling that way growing up? Did you grow up thinking heaven was going to be boring? Yeah, it's funny. I... It was weird. I was so terrified of death as a kid that heaven seemed like the answer to death in a lot of ways. And so I was always trying not to, like, think about heaven as much as possible because that meant that I'd have to go through death to get there. Right. And So you didn't think about heaven at all because you were so scared yeah, of death. You just yeah, didn't want to. Yeah, I just, just I don't even touch yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't really want to touch it just because, you know, it was the only thing that gave me any comfort about the concept of death Uh, i've told this other places but i had this cassette tape that i would um listen to all the time and eventually it ended up getting like eaten up by the cassette recorder and when i tried to pull it free it snipped the cassette and it I couldn't play the cassette anymore. It was done. It had, you know, the tape had been uh, severed. So as like a five-year-old, I just made a mental connection to that as like, that's what death is, is me having my own tape cut. And so, yeah, I I never really, in a weird way, I think I was kind of primed for what you're about to talk about um, in terms of, uh, it not just being like a spiritual uh, sort of flying away from earth because I was so connected to this idea of my body being physically cut by a cassette. Um, and so, yeah, it, it, I, I had a weirder upbringing, but all yeah. around me, like people uh, would so always So you, you were about stoked it. about the idea of heaven because... Yeah, yeah, I was stoked about it in a lot of ways just because it, it seemed like an answer to death. And so uh, it wasn't this kind of boring place to me. I didn't know what we'd do, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, for some people that have grown up in homeschooling, sort of more uh, focus on the family-themed uh, upbringings, I had a uh, cassette of... Adventures in Odyssey, actually, and yeah. the um, one of the episodes in it is entitled "The Mortal Coil," and in that episode, the main character, Mister Whitaker, decides to take his little imagination station, which is sort of like a time machine, and uh, 
try and go to heaven in the imagination station. It's one of the most controversial things he ever does is um, since it can go different places, what would it be like to imagine heaven? And so he tries to do this and his best friend tells him, you shouldn't do this. Like, this is not a good idea. And it turns out to be right. He turns out to be right because when Mr. Whitaker tries the adventure, it actually puts him in a coma. And uh, he doesn't, he's lost in his own imagination of what heaven is like, so much so that he doesn't want to come back to earth and live in earth. Like, heaven's just too glorious. And so the whole episode is trying to, in in ways pray over him to come back to earth hmm. and hopefully like and he doesn't want to do that and he doesn't want to do that yeah 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 because right. he he meets so many people that had died that he right. wants you know it's all right. this imaginative right and so i think that was why that's how a lot of people felt about it i remember growing up everybody was like the big thing they always brought up as to why they were excited to go to heaven was because they would get to see people who had died. Right. You know, I get to see my grandma and I get to see, um, you know, my uncle who died real young and all that kind of stuff. So they were real excited about that. And I do think a lot of people just, the earth sucks. Like, (laughs) life Mm -hmm. on earth sucks. So they were like, of course, I want to get away from here. I want to go to heaven. So that's why I, I think that's part of why that song, that famous song, I'll Fly Away, Part of why that like resonates with people is because it's like, I hate all of this. All of this is awful right now. I want to just fly away from all of this to to heaven, yeah, to to another place where I don't have to deal with any of all of this. And like I mentioned in the sermon, my issue was that I don't I like earth (laughs) (laughs) right I've had a good I I understand part of it's because I've had a good life I've been very privileged I have a lot of privilege in my life where I've just been I grew up in a in a a good stable family with you know I've never had to go hungry (laughs) (laughs) my life has been good and I recognize that's a part of it but like I mentioned in the sermon the beauty of the earth and nature my fandom of the Grizzlies, <laughs> like all kinds of different things that I enjoy on Earth are the reasons I liked Earth so much. And so that's why I was so upset about the idea that I was going to have to leave all this behind to go to heaven. And so I was I was like a reluctant Christian where where my mm. my thing was like, I, I guess I'm going to be a Christian, mostly because I'm scared of hell and I want to avoid hell. Not so much because I like am really stoked about the idea of heaven. It it was it was more about just avoiding the punishment of hell than it was about mm. enjoying heaven. Um, and so I remember what really changed it for me was when I started to learn about how the ancient Jews actually understood those ideas of heaven and hell and earth and a lot of those different concepts and it's really cool because a lot of the ideas that they had weren't like unique to them it was like all the people around them so the the ancient egyptians and the assyrians and you know everybody else that lived around them they all had like a similar way of viewing the world they even used really similar words to describe a lot of it and um i don't even remember where the first time i heard it was but somebody basically explained to me that uh heaven in their language, with their words, basically just means the place where God lives. Mm. Heaven is God's home. Earth is our home. You know, and so in the in the simplest terms, heaven means where God lives. Earth means where humans live. Um. The the whole goal that I started to see in the Bible when you, when you learn a lot about that is that um, the intention is not for human beings to leave earth and go to heaven. Um, that, that is something that has made its way into Christianity, but is not necessarily what you actually see when you're reading the Bible. Um, what, what you see is, those terms being used in that way. Heaven is where God lives. Earth is where humans live. And that was kind of the intention. It was supposed to be that way. Humans are supposed to live on earth. God is in heaven. Um, 
And what I mentioned in the sermon is that the, the goal of all of it, the like end goal of everything is for heaven and earth to, to come together in a way. And God will live in heaven. Humans will live on earth. Those two things will be one and God will live with his people. He makes his home together with us. Mm. And basically we, we end up having a combined home <laughs> that we both live in, which is kind of the, the, the Bible word is that the new heavens and the new earth is this like unified home, uh, between where God lives and where humans live and where we can kind of live together. So what was, what was the journey from, cause I'm assuming you grew up in the same kind of environment I did where they taught I'll fly away in heavens, this place that you'll eventually go to and you leave the earth completely behind uh what was kind of the journey from that to realizing that maybe the bible is not talking about that about yeah that's not really the goal yeah and it's Mm -hmm. now talking about yeah um the space is overlapping and that's the end goal that's the actual end goal yeah right yeah yeah no for sure it it is uh i'm a big history guy so like i said earlier i think part of my goal with this episode is to go through the history of it all yeah a little bit and so there's a lot of history that goes into how we got to that point to where we thought that the goal was to leave earth and go to heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the simplest terms, and again, I understand this is, this is all going to be a way oversimplification. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, you could, you could nuance it and there's people who are actual historians and maybe people who are actual theologians that are going to be like, man, you guys are just going way too fast and loose with it. <laughs> but you know, I'm not going to bog you guys down with too much of the boring details. You know, we're just going to go in the, the thousand foot view, the quick overview of like a whole bunch of thousands of years of history. Right. But the simple version of it is that, um, at a certain point, a lot of, uh, Greek thought started to kind of take over, in the church and in the world at large, the the Greeks and the Greek Empire, Alexander the Great, and all of them, they took their Greek culture and their Greek values and like spread them, you know, everywhere that they conquered. Eventually, Rome came about. They conquered Greece and just kind of like adopted those Greek ideas. They're like, these are ours now. We we're, we're going to take all of these same ideas they even took all the same greek gods and just changed the names of them and stuff like that Mm. so they just took a lot of that greek culture and made it their own culture and as that roman empire started to spread they were spreading that greek culture throughout the world and so the 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 jews in israel and any of the christians of the early church were exactly the same they were getting uh exposed to a lot of those same greek thoughts and ideas and again, it's an oversimplification, but in, in general, in a lot of Greek thought, you have like a strong separation between the physical world and the spiritual world. And the big thing that they made, uh, that they, that was important to them was that the spiritual stuff was like better than the physical. So not only are they two def- different things, they're definitely two different things, but one is better than the other, which is that the spiritual is better than the than the physical there's like a there's like a hierarchy there Mm. um and that's like fundamental to a lot of the way that the greeks thought about things the the spiritual is separate from the physical the spiritual is better than the physical and that thinking was just present in a lot of the ancient roman world which is where christianity first started to spread and so as christianity was spreading and as it was spreading from throughout the roman empire um Christianity and the worldview that the Bible shows started to kind of butt heads with that Greek worldview that made a real, real strong distinction between the spiritual and the physical and, um, and made the spiritual better than the physical. And so it kind of was this, um, Greek philosophical idea in, uh, what was called stoicism that that really finally kind of f- fully made its way into Christianity. And the goal of Stoicism was that we wanted, uh, well, really goal of a lot of Greek philosophy was that we wanted to free ourselves from the physical constraints, free ourselves from these bodies, these like f- meat 
prisons is what <laughs> you know the yeah. crude way you could put it a lot of times and to like free our spirits and free our souls so that we could so that our soul would leave our body and go up to join the spiritual mount olympus the the world that you know was the better spiritual world hmm. versus the physical world that that was like a big thing that the greeks were super into they were super into the idea of like leaving our bodies freeing our souls from our bodies and our souls going up to 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 that spiritual world to that mount olympus to kind of join together with the other spiritual truths and kind of be freed from uh from the constraints hmm. of of uh the physical world so they and didn't so, like like the body at all like the no. body to them was refuse or you know just a pile of dung yeah um yeah and they were just the goal was to be freed from your body you wanted to mm. get away from the body you wanted to go to some sort of spiritual higher reality you know be- higher level of existence because they kind of thought that the mind was the primary way that you connected to the world like the only thing that of value was how you thought and what you could do right or am i missing that Right. Yeah. All of those ideas were all connected. And, you know, there's a lot of layers that you could kind of go go into it. But ultimately, the Greek world was convinced that the spiritual was better than the physical, Mm -hmm. that you needed to get rid of the physical. And so then as Christianity and Greek culture started to kind of intermingle, all they did is they took Christian words and applied them to Greek concepts. So, again, in the Bible, heaven means where God lives, earth means where humans live. They cha- they took those same words and they started to apply them to spiritual physical, and it became all about how the earth means physical and heaven means spiritual. Hmm. So heaven couldn't be physical and earth couldn't be spiritual. They They kind of just took those two words and changed the definitions of them and made it so that the goal was to go to the spiritual heaven. So we know that um, the kind of Christian and Greek philosophies kind of molded into a heretical view called Gnosticism. Um, can you kind of tease out yeah. how that view right. occurred and right. like what it looked like and how it had both Christian ideas and right. these Greek ideas? Right. And so like Gnosticism was the, 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 the like OG heresy, you know, like the, the, <laughs> the, the original, original one. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 it was like one of the very first twistings of the Christian view into something that wasn't quite Christian. Mm. And, and it was doing exactly what I was just saying now, taking all these Greek ideas, mixing them together with Christian ideas and creating this new thing called Gnosticism. Mm-hmm. And um, there were lots of different versions of Gnosticism, but the basic aspect of it was that they had that view where they're like the body is bad the physical stuff is bad the flesh is bad and the biggest issue they kept coming across is that it's it's a a really big component of christianity is that god becomes flesh Mm. becomes man becomes physical that's that's the that's the whole thing about christianity is god himself becomes a a physical fleshly human being Hmm. and for a greek they would be like no that's ridiculous that would no god would never do that why would he lower himself to become a a a physical human being that would you know in some ways they thought that the physical was like sinful it was bad Hmm. so it would be wrong for god to become physical so what the gnostics started going around saying is they started saying uh god never did that he just he just looked physical Jesus just appeared to be physical. He was not actually real. He wasn't real flesh and blood. He just looked like he was. It was like a it's like a hologram, <laughs> you know. It was kind of the idea that they huh. had. And so they believed that he just looked like he was a person, but you know, he really wasn't. He was like a spiritual being still. There's no way he was physical. Cuz again, physical is bad. There's no way God could be physical. And so they started going around trying to say that they had this kind of secret understanding of how the world really worked. Um, and that the reality was Jesus only looked like he had a body. He didn't actually have a body. And 
Um, like I said, this was one of the original heresies. It hadn't quite made its full debut. I think, you know, like 100 through 200 AD is where you get a lot bit, a lot more of the like full-on Gnosticism. But like the early versions of Gnosticism were coming up like really quickly, like very early in the church. And so if you read some of the books of the Bible that were written later, you know, some some, some of the ones like First, uh, Second, Third John, and First and Second Peter, and certain letters of Paul that were written maybe a little bit later in history. You start to see them already dealing with some of these Gnostic ideas. There's even a particular verse that mentions if anyone tries to tell you that Jesus didn't come in the flesh, you know that that person is like not hmm. not a true brother, because they were going around saying that they were like, no, 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 the physical is bad. Jesus didn't become physical. He just looked like he did, mm. <laughs> um, which is really funny. It's like a it's it's, it's a super roundabout way <laughs> to try to make an argument because the the reality of the fact is they had to deal with the fact that they that everybody who interacted with Jesus he seemed very physical <laughs> to them, <laughs> and so they had to find some way to explain it. And that's when they were like, "No, no, no, no." He just he just kind of looked physical. He wasn't he wasn't really physical. Mm. Um, but I think ultimately what you really see in Jesus is becoming physical is God giving this sort of ultimate affirmation to the fact that the physical world isn't bad. Mm. The physical body isn't bad. Um, look, I'm going to prove it to you by actually inhabiting that becoming a physical man. Mm. Um, and Jesus did that. And in that way, it was sort of the ultimate affirmation of the physical world. So let me... Say I don't buy that, right? Right. Um, one of the verses that gets quoted quite a bit is in Philippians 2, I believe, where uh, it says God stooped down and humbled himself mm-hmm. to become a man. Um, how would you interpret that? Um, say I were to bring that up as sort of, well, it does look like he had to like reduce himself to this bodily mm-hmm. state. What mm-hmm. would you say? kind of him refuting that or pushing back on that idea. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think the verse that you're referring to has a lot to do with specifically with just God's um, position as God mm-hmm. and sort of his uh, power that he could have yeah. as as God, this sort of a above natural, supernatural power that he has. Um, and... Uh, there is no denying the fact that to become a man, he had to uh, ne- necessarily become, uh, you know, he's not that same sort of limitless, not embodied existence. Mm-hmm. So I definitely think that there is a difference between the spiritual world and the physical world. And I definitely, obviously, think that there is a God is higher than man. <laughs> you mm. know, they're, 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 but he's not higher than man because he is spiritual and we are physical. He is higher than man because he is God. He mm. is creator. He is all powerful God. And so it's like, why is he better? Is it, is kind of the question? Yeah. The Greeks were like, he's better because he doesn't have a body. Mm. And, um, and it's like, well, it's it no it's he's, he's better because of who he is not because of any realm, realm that he exists that, yeah, in yeah um and it's also kind of a question of like what is the point cuz th- this is this is kind of what i was saying earlier the greeks thought that the goal was for us to leave the physical body mm. and become spiritual that was the goal the end goal. The end goal was for us to become like the gods in that we were like this spiritual mm-hmm. truth. And um, what I see when I read the Bible is that um, the goal all along was for us to have bodies. And you still see that even at the end, because after Jesus is resurrected, which is kind of the end goal for all of us, we're all, you know, he's kind of the original one that we're all trying to we're all he shows us what we can all expect. Mm. He still has a body. <laughs> you know, he 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 doesn't transcend his body into some sort of disembodied spiritual 
soul level he still has a body because that's that was god's goal for us all along the greeks thought that god like imprisoned us in these bodies and our goal was to be freed from them the uh biblical worldview says no god wanted you to have a body from the beginning and um you are supposed to have a body. That's a part of what it means to be a human being is you have a physical body. Hmm. <laughs> and so the the end goal is for there to be, because this is, this is another way that the Bible explains it, a new heavens and a new earth, both. <laughs> both a new heavens and a new earth. And our goal is to live in the new earth, <laughs> the hmm. new physical earth which is still physical with physical bodies and a physical existence. And all of the good things we love here are still the reality on that new earth. Um, so like we can still eat food. Yep. Is, you know, cause yep. Jesus eats food yep. um, after he's resurrected with the disciples. Um, that, that, that's, that's something that I don't know um, is talked about a lot. Uh, and, it's one thing that I think, I guess, so that was Gnosticism, right? Right. And that was in the second and third centuries. Mm-hmm. How did we get to, because Gnosticism was, you know, called a heresy. So how right. did we kind of get to the shift again right. where we're kind of right. back there? Yeah. There's all kinds of different ways to do that. They, yeah. Because they, they like squashed it, you know. Right. The, the Gnosticism, they, they you know, um, they... Uh, the early church got together and they were like, this is not what the Bible says. This is not what the Bible believes. This is a heresy. They, and they called it out and they were like, if you're going to be a Christian, you can't be down with all this Gnosticism. Um, Recently, there's been a lot of, they call them the Gnostic gospels. Mm. So it's like the gospel of Thomas and um, gospel of Judas and Mm. gospel of Mary. There's, there's a few of these that have come out, come to light recently. And these were like gospel histories written by some of those Gnostic heretics. Hmm. And so if you hear about any of those at some point in time, um, that's what, that's what they're, those were, the reason those were rejected by the early church, the reason, because sometimes people will try to be like, these are like the true gospels Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the early church like squashed it. Um, But the, 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 the reason a lot of those Gnostic Gospels were rejected was because they just represented this whole way of viewing the world that just did not line up with mm. what Jesus or the Bible actually says. Um, and if you ever read any of those Gnostic Gospels, it you can tell. Like, they're weird. Like, yeah. I think in the Gospel of Thomas, there's this weird moment where Jesus becomes like a 50-foot giant at one point, <laughs> and there's just like, there's like some just weird stuff in them. Um but like I, like he said, yeah, the the church squashed that. They got rid of that. That you know that Gnosticism um, disappeared after a, f- a few uh, centuries. Um, but you know, there's lots of different uh, opinions as to why we kind of saw we've seen a resurgence in some of these ideas. But personally, I think one of the biggest reasons we started to see this was that um, this period in history called the the enlightenment Mm. which also overlaps with you know what we know of as the renaissance period yeah and historically also overlaps a lot with in the church what was called the reformation which is where the the protestants split away from the catholics and all three of those the enlightenment the reformation and the renaissance era they had a lot of things that overlapped and fed into each other but one of the biggest commonalities in a lot of that was this like super big rediscovery of ancient Greece and ancient Rome. Mm. And the people in Europe at that time just became like the biggest fanboys of Greece and Rome. Like they just became <laughs> convinced everything is the best. Everything was the best in Greek and Roman times. Um, everything has been awful ever since then. And so they were just like huge fans of the Greeks and the Romans and um, you see it with the founding fathers of the United States because they were kind of a result of a lot of that enlightenment. That's why all our like um, national buildings, like the White House and all this kind of stuff, that's why they look like Greek 
temples <laughs> you know they have like greek columns and greek mm. uh, architecture because they they were super into greece they were like oh yeah the greeks were the best so they like i said they're they were sort of the original fanboys for <laughs> this whole greek culture they were super into that and the reformers especially were the same way reformers so, being uh, the, you know the names most people have heard of martin luther john calvin mm. uh, zwingli a lot of these different people Again, I'm oversimplifying here, but it is pretty simple. If you go into the history of it, you can see that they also started to become big fans of that Greek culture. Mm. Um, a big example, you can see a lot of it if you read in, I believe, Calvin's writings. You can see that he was, um, the Greeks were really into rhetoric. They were really into the idea of like good, eloquent speeches. And Calvin is just as big a fan of a lot of that. And so mm. he starts talking about rhetoric and the importance of rhetoric. So you can see kind of some of his like Greek fandom coming through in some of those ideas. And so I think the Reformation is when a lot of those Greek ideas came back into the church and then started to just kind of, it, those seeds were planted then and then just kind of grew and grew and grew as we, uh, as time went on. Hmm. So what's maybe like uh, an example of how the church might have thought of um, death, I guess, um, and where you maybe go after death versus what happened after the Reformation? Um, or at least right. what's an example of uh, right. seeing that shift from pre uh, reformation to post reformation right. the example i've always heard is um in uh westminster abbey mm -hmm. which is you know the the big national church of the church of england yeah that's where they bury a lot of the most famous british people you know so like um uh, wesley is buried there and you know just a lot of the most famous british people are buried at you know, Westminster Abbey. And um, if you go and read their, like, tombstones, their gravestones, the older ones, the ones that are kind of, like, real earlier, pre-before a lot of these seeds of Greek thought had fully made their uh, birth in the Enlightenment, the ones that are a little bit in the earlier periods of time, what you see on the top of those tombstones is you see something along the lines of, like, this person is asleep, waiting to be awakened, you know. Um, they are, they are uh, you know, asleep and longing for the new, the age to come or mm -hmm. something like that. You know, the nice little fancy poetic things. But basically some version of saying that they're like asleep. They're like in this state where they are waiting for their full uh, rebirth. Um and then as you get post-enlightenment, post all of that Greek thought making its way into the church, you start to see the tombstones change and they start saying, at home with the Lord, now at home, finally at home, finally in the place they're supposed to be. Mm. Um, and uh, basically you realize that they, people started to think the goal was to leave the body, to die, yeah. so that you could finally go to the spiritual heaven and be at home with God again. And so this is going to be the confusing thing where it's going to sound like I am going to contradict everything I've been saying <laughs> up until this one point in time. So I'll try to explain it as simply as I can. But um, there is a reality you see in the Bible of the fact that we, for a time, are going to leave our bodies mm. and go to heaven. Um, there is a biblical concept that says that when we die in some way or another we go to heaven which again just means the place where god lives that's all heaven means it's the place where god lives so we leave our body and we go to the place where god lives but the key i'm trying to say is that that's not the end goal the mm. end goal is the resurrection and what the resurrection means is it means it's the time when we are given a new body again and we become physical again mm. so those early uh, jesus even uses the term sleep for it all the time and um 
and those earlier tombstones at Westminster Abbey explain that a little bit. They, it's like a sleeping that you're doing because you're not your full self. You're kind of asleep in this moment. Mm. You're not going to be your full self until you have a body again because that's God's plan. He wanted us to have bodies the whole time. And so um, uh, the, the, the leaving our body and going to heaven is not the end goal. The theology term they use for it a lot is the intermediary state mm. um, or the intermediate state, which is just kind of like this state of being between earthly life and new earthly life. There's, mm. a, there's an in-between period where in some way or another, we are not in our bodies. We are at home with the Lord in some form or another so in heaven. this would be like Paul saying uh, to die is like absent from the body is at home, is with, at the home with the Lord. Is at home with the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. So That's the, what he's talking about. And so I think Paul is talking about the intermediate state, not the end goal. I got you. A lot of people think Paul there is talking about what the goal of all of this is. And Paul's saying the goal is to be absent from the body and at home with the Lord. I think he's just talking about, he's going through a lot of suffering at the time when he writes that verse. And so he's saying, I am super looking forward to just that, that period of, of sleep in between this life and the next life hmm. where I can be at home with the Lord. I would rather be together with God in heaven. So he's not talking about resurrection in that moment. He's just talking about being present with the Lord. In that intermediate period Mm -hmm. before the new resurrection happens before the before the um we all get our new bodies and And before the new earth is created again and just to be clear revelation i mean resurrection is that point when everyone regardless of good or bad resurrects is that what we're saying here is everybody resurrects at the same time and then we're we go yeah that's an interesting question i don't i've never I <clears throat> I haven't done the research specifically on that with mm-hmm. uh the 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 goal of it all. Um in my experience I don't know what what do you you've you've read that up on mm-hmm. that a little bit. What's your what's your thing uh, you've seen? I mean, there's definitely some passages in Revelation that lean more that way, but I'm like you, I haven't uh fully dived into it, but it does seem to be that both regardless of what you believe everybody resurrects and then there's a final uh like judgment judgment yeah yeah um in my church kind of community growing up we called that the great white throne judgment Mm -hmm. where uh and there's a lot of pull from like jesus's parables where he like divides the tares from yeah. the wheat and different things divides like that. the sheep from the goats yeah and, you know yeah. all kinds of different i'm more like asked that just to kind of get an idea of you know we're we're separating this idea of uh sleep uh death absent from the body is present with the lord away from this idea of resurrection and yes resurrection's a different yeah. thing because okay. i think we've combined a lot of those ideas so we think when when Paul talks about the resurrection, we think what he's talking about is leaving the body and mm. going to heaven. I think when Paul talks about the resurrection, what he's talking about is being physically resurrected, gotcha. being given a physical body. Mm. It is a new body. It's a different one than the one we have now, but it's still physical. <laughs> and I think that that's the good news to me. That's what I learned is when I learned that, when I learned that the end goal was not to leave this earth and leave this body and go to some weird spiritual church service in heaven, when I learned that the goal was to go to the new earth, the new physical earth with a new physical body, I don't know, it just sounds way more fun to me. <laughs> yeah. That sounds way better. <laughs> yeah, it really does. I mean, it it's almost it's similar to the ending of C.S. Lewis's The Last Battle where they get to heaven and instead of it being like a place of like harps and things like that actually their world and Narnia are both in heaven like nothing Mm -hmm. really changes the only thing Lewis changes about it is it's more real Mm -hmm. than uh, right when uh, they were in 
you know, the physical realm of right. Earth or right. Narnia. And so it's a crazy thing because, yeah, C.S. Lewis was one of the first ones that helped me realize this. I was reading The Great Divorce by C.S. Lewis. Mm. And the way he describes that new Earth in 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 The Great Divorce is he describes it as like a more real reality. Right. And so what I like to say lately is that it's like a more physical physicality. It's mm. a more earthy earth. <laughs> it's a more uh, fleshly, physical, real. It's more that even mm. than this is. Yeah. It's like the true version of what those things were supposed to be like. Yeah, the grass is so real it like spikes yeah. your feet. <laughs> That's how he talks about it in the book is like the grass is like so real. It's like so solid that it like hurts to walk on because it's like it's like grassier grass than you've ever seen before. <laughs> it's 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 more real than anything before. And so that's that's good news to me. That feels yeah. like good news is like um being able to have the the best version of everything that I like about this earth. Mm. So, so why why does this matter for us? Okay, I get that like heaven is not uh, not just this place we go play harps in every day long. Like the ultimate goal is for us to um, have heaven and earth united and we get to enjoy maybe food. We get to enjoy all the things we enjoy down here in an ultimate sense in heaven. I get that. But what what is that supposed to do um, for a church community? How does that um, right. What is that? Why does it matter? Why, why does it matter? It, why does yeah. it matter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think it matters. Um, one because uh, I mentioned in the sermon this idea called asceticism, mm-hmm. which is kind of like a type of like don't enjoy things, don't have any physical pleasures, don't you know, don't um, uh, it's it's like this idea of like trying to avoid all of the physicality of things and you know mm. the the pleasures of life and the desires of life and all this kind of stuff i think because we convinced ourselves that we uh this you know you'll, you'll hear a lot of christians say this world is not my home you mm. know i'm 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 a citizen of heaven i'm going to heaven this world is not my home that point of view is what keeps a lot of us from uh from even caring, you know? And so I see this a lot, you know, like a lot of non-Christians care a lot about polluting the environment because they care about the earth. And Mm. a lot of Christians are like, oh, well, we're just going to leave all this anyway. So what does it matter? Yeah, I'll just drive my gas guzzler SUV. It doesn't even matter. We're going to, this whole thing's going to disappear anyways. So, so, you know, if you start treating it like the earth is just going to be thrown away, if you, in your mind, it's like trash that's going to get tossed out, then you're going to treat it like trash. And I think that's what a lot of the church has been doing. We've been treating the earth like trash because we think it is that. We think it's going to get thrown away. I think we treat our bodies like trash because of that. We think that, well, this body's just going to get thrown away. So what does it matter if I just eat horribly unhealthy mm-hmm. and gain a whole bunch of weight? And 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 what does it matter if I um, don't care for my body you know, in any way, because it, it doesn't matter. It's just going to all going to get thrown away. And then I'm going to go be a soul somewhere up in heaven. Hmm. Um, but I think learning that God wanted us to be physical from the beginning helps us to value the physical a little bit more. But I think the biggest thing I would say too, is just that, um, I, I think that sometimes the way we grow closest to God is by doing and being, who we were supposed to be from the beginning. Mm. It's sort of by like reclaiming our true vocation, our true job, doing our job that we were originally supposed to do. Mm. Um, when we, when we do that, when we become truly who we were supposed to become from the beginning, then, then it's just like our lives are happier. We draw closer to God and it just kind of all, comes together in a in a in a in a crazy way and my whole point i've been trying to make is that from the very beginning we were supposed to have a body and we still will have a body in the end it's not to the goal is not to throw away this body and so the more we lean into that the more we lean into understanding that we really were supposed to be physical from the very beginning um 
the 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 more we value the the physical world you know the Mm. more that it's like important to us a perfect example is um my in-laws and my wife's my wife's family the whole family they're like huge car people they love cars they have like you know uh my father-in-law has a super cool vintage mustang my brothers-in-law both have these like awesome sports cars that they drive my wife has this super awesome hyundai sports car that she drives they all love cars because they love their cars so much they keep their cars really clean the cars are always like perfectly washed perfectly waxed vacuumed on the inside and because they like cars so much they care about changing the oil on their car (laughs) and they care about making sure the tires are are um have plenty of tread on them and you know and they care about the car looking cool they care that it looks cool all of that's because they care about cars my family could care less about cars i grew up my whole life not caring about cars at all (laughs) um a car is just like a way to get from point a to point b for me so i could care less what the car looked like i don't care what color it is i used to never wash my car i used to never you know nothing i and so i never changed the oil on my car this is this was awful i used to go like i would go like a year and a half between oil changes (laughs) on my other cars how you're still alive (laughs) i know it's crazy um because i just didn't care about it ever since i've gotten married adrian has really helped me learn to value uh a ca- what a car is about i learned like it's important to me now mm-hmm. and so i'm still not quite as far as she is you know like i still don't <laughs> care about it as much as she does but i care more about it than i did before um and so i try to keep my car clean we do our oil changes every time you're supposed to now <laughs> and the side effect of that is that my my car has lasted way longer than any car that i've ever had before Go figure. If you change the oil regularly, it'll last for a while. Um, my, I like driving my car more now because it's not just full of trash and it's not dirty because I'm keeping it clean. Um, I've had all of these benefits that have come in my driving experience because I've learned to value cars more. Mm. And so I think that's the biggest thing I would say. The church so has devalued the physical world that we are like missing out on a lot of the awesome parts that come when you become uh when you learn to value that the the physicality of it Mm. and so um nature is the easiest example to give with it but i have a lot of friends that love nature they love going out hiking they love the outdoors they love there's just like a they just love that sort of outdoor experience a lot of those people um, really always kind of felt this tension when they would read the Bible and read that God was just going to get rid of all of this. That's what they thought they were reading because they were just, you know, growing up with what the church had said. And um, and it was like less... Uh, it, it wasn't as good news for them because they're like, no, I love the outdoors and why, why would God get rid of this earth? And, you know... Why would he get rid of all the trees and the rivers and the hiking trails that I love? And a lot of them, when they learn this, when they learn that, that no, God's not going to get rid of that. He's going to amp it up even more, you know, that's, they get really stoked about it. And they're like, oh yeah, that's awesome. That's all the stuff I love about nature. We're still going to have all of that. And, um, uh, I think that the thing that I've just kind of felt is that, You know, the the thing about them is once they learn that, once they learn that God is planning on keeping all of this around, he's not just going to throw it away, then they're able to go out on nature hikes and love it even more. Every time they go out and they see a, an amazing waterfall or an amazing tree or an amazing hiking trail that takes them to the top of a mountain and they're just, they love that outdoors and that scenery, then they are, only, they are able to enjoy it even more than they were before because they know that God also values that and that he's still going to keep that around. Mm. And I think basically we're just, we're just like going through life, getting only like 50% out of it. I think we could be getting a hundred percent out of it if we learned that, that this is a good, good thing too. So to kind of break that down, 
you you hope that the church can uh, wash uh, the metaphorical car a little yeah. bit more yep. um, and change its oil yes. in terms of like the earth. Um, and I think we'll get a better experience out of the earth if we do that. The same mm. way I'm getting a better experience out of my car because I actually care about it. <laughs> um, we will get a better experience out of the earth if we actually care for the earth. Mm-hmm. And I think part of the reason we haven't cared for the earth, this is, you know, just bringing the point back around. The reason Christians didn't care about the earth is because we thought it was all just like trash that was going to get thrown away anyways. Mm. And when you change your mindset about it, you start to care about it a lot more. And so in the same way that most of my family are like car guys, I think we need to become earth people, <laughs> you mm. know, people who are about the earth and about the physicality. And it's a lot easier to do that when you learn that God is too. That's kind of my whole point. God is a earth. You know, he's a he's a fan of earth. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so. it brings to mind actually the parable of the um uh servants that uh I guess they're I guess they're called like the what are they called the bad servants the uh dang it. Yeah, we'll just go with bad. It's not bad, but um <laughs> the bad servants. <laughs> um but a manager leaves and essentially lets them run a vineyard for um, the foreseeable future. And uh, while the manager's off, uh, they really just party and drink from the vineyard, I'm assuming, and really just let it fall into disrepair. Uh, and when the master finds out what he's doing, he sends like messengers and people to tell them like, hey, uh, I, I want my due where my grapes and they don't send him anything. They send off the people um, that were like the messengers. And so eventually he sends his own son um, and they get wise and they're like, well, if we kill the son, then we can have everything for ourselves because he's the heir to yeah, this. No one's going to be able to inherit it. Right. No one's <laughs> going to be able to inherit it. So we might as well, you know, which is funny because they haven't been taking care of it anyway. Why, right. You know, why they, why they would want it. It's just a power play. And so they kill him. And uh, the parable ends very frighteningly with the master coming back and uh, punishing the servants and kicking them out. And mm-hmm. uh, um doesn't end well. And it, it's sort of... Yeah, and well. so like, yeah, so like, if we we're keeping the analogy going, if um, my my father in law has this super cool vintage Mustang that mm-hmm. he he loves that vintage Mustang. If he were to show up at the garage and see that I had just like keyed up his vintage Mustang, <laughs> he would be real upset about oh, yeah. it. There would be there would be uh, a, a lot of big issues in that moment. <laughs> I can't imagine what Tony would do. I know in that it's moment, crazy. <laughs> like I, t- for those of you that don't know, I also know his father-in-law. He's one of the kindest men I know, and I've just never really <laughs> seen him just like get super mad. And yeah, that would well, I don't want to see it either. I, I I know that would do it, and I don't want to see what that's like. <laughs> that's that's what I think we are doing to the earth. I think God made the earth. God said it saw that it was good. He likes it. Mm. And so when we're sitting here keying it up, hmm. that's a problem. So hmm. there's a there's a million more ways we could go into it. There's a lot of uh, other details I could go in, but that's probably enough for today just to yeah. kind of go into that. My only point, my main point I just want to make is God likes the physical. Yeah. He's not, he doesn't hate it because, he doesn't hate us because we're physical. He doesn't hate the physical world. And his goal all along for us was for us to be physical. And I think that's a good thing. Mm. I think that's good news. It's, it is. gets me stoked. Yeah. And it, and it encourages us to really value what we have here um, and not really think about this place as just sort of like a resting period or just something we have to go through, you know. Um, that's that's actually really encouraging that I get to enjoy my 70 years here and really get to um value it um as god would have me do so thanks Nick. for sure yeah man thanks to you guys too for tuning in i appreciate y'all sticking around if you have for the whole <laughs> long deep dive um we will just be back next week with a little bit more follow-up about um the the following sermon um just as a quick tease i definitely want to encourage all of y'all to tune in 
this Sunday at 7 for our uh, Sunday service. I think this sermon in particular is going to be one that a lot of y'all will enjoy, especially if you have um, just... If you've been wondering what, how does the Bible relate to all of the political arguments that we've been having in this most recent period, a lot of times people are scared to talk politics in church. Um, this Sunday is not going to be one of those Sundays. This Sunday <laughs> is going to be a politics in church Sunday, and I think uh, y'all will get a lot out of it, so I, I definitely encourage you just tune in and uh, just hope to see you there. Thanks, guys, so much, and uh, keep us tuned. <laughs>